1: Welcome back. As we head into Hour 2, we do so with our Congressman Representative David Schweikert, uh, representing us right here in our first congressional district. Uh, David, uh, welcome back, and thanks for always uh, being so responsive uh, to the community hey, and hey, doing hey. these hits.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, th- Thank you for being nutty enough to have me every Wednesday. <laughs> uh,
1: is there is there anything interesting going on over there in Washington oh, these days? <laughs> you know, you're
2: juggling so many things, which is it's wonderful. It's also amazing... Um, it, the same thing that happens right after you get elected: um, a) your family calls you and says, "Damn, don't just elect anyone."
1: Yeah. <laughs> and
2: b) all of a sudden you become taller, better looking, <laughs> um, smarter because all these lobbyists who, you know, didn't <laughs> give a damn who you were, all of a sudden are like in your face, wanting to be your new best friend. Yeah. Well, it turns out the same thing happens when all of a sudden you're in the majority. Yeah. Yeah. And they realize saying, oh, you're serious about actually working on things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's I wanted to give you a menu uh, of things I'm kind of in the audience's tracking, And you start and take take any item you want, any entree you want here. There's, of course, the debt limit, which uh, Mm -hmm. which is which is a debate that seems to have gone away today because there is a committee uh, issue, uh, whether it's the select committees with uh, Schiff and uh, Swalwell or. Issues with Ilan Omar.
2: i, I, I got to warn you, we're going to be talking about the debt limit between now and June.
1: Okay. All right.
2: Um, the borrowing authority, um, they have extraordinary measures, which just means, hey, we're not going to fund the pension systems. So or Over oh, here is some cash still in this account. We're going to pull that back in. Mm-hmm. But they still have spending mechanics, meaning there's cash out there
1: mm-hmm.
2: that can run the government to almost June.
1: Okay, so should we what? Where where does that debate stand right now? I mean, the last I read was that Biden doesn't want to have any negotiations whatsoever. Um, So we just kind of tread water till June on this, or what?
2: Okay, no, no, no. Oh, it's not treading; it's posturing. Okay, just expect lots of shrill. The world's coming to an end. Janet Yellen's going to come out and look pale and say, "I can't believe it." We're going to default and this proves and it's theater. Mm-hmm. Um oddly enough, the American people seem to get it now. Yeah. Um we've been through this multiple times before. You know, the pace we borrow, you you understand we used up a couple trillion dollars of borrowing authority in just last year. Yeah. It is stunning the craziness that happened the um uh, these four years, the particular last two years with all Democrat control. Yeah. Um
1: we but, doubled. We doubled our budget, didn't we? Or, or pretty yep, close yep, to it, something like that. Yep, yeah.
2: No. Uh, we, we, we and parts of the discretionary. Yeah, yes. Yeah, but yeah. um, you functioning added almost a third to U.S. sovereign debt okay. in just the last few years. Okay. But the real point I'm, I'm heading towards is there's going to be lots of political posturing, okay. and it will be the Democrat mantra of all oh, these Republicans are arsonists, or they're doing this, or doing that. All we're trying to do is just some sanity, Mm -hmm. just to understand how much trouble we're in. Um, You know, if we hit a a failed bond auction or a debt crisis, it hurts everyone. It hurts Democrats as much as it's going to hurt Republicans. Maybe more. It's because, you know, uh, how many of the folks on the left actually make their living off government? Yeah, yeah. Um, But everything's about politics now. When you have a, a House... Where you have only a couple votes to keep the majority, um, just be prepared for some of the nastiest, roughest sort of things being said that are just lunacy. Um, and this place doesn't do math. Yeah. So I had a gaggle of reporters a little while ago outside the floor, and just trying to walk them through what does it mean when you have a structural two trillion dollar a year deficit coming at the in ten years. One trillion of that being just interest. So what are you going to do, cut the interest or just decide you're not going to pay your bondholders? And the other trillion substantially is Medicare and Medicaid. What are you going to do, stop paying? So unless you change the cost of things, mm-hmm. at least long term, you're treading water. So cap discretionary, Maybe in fact, I'm, I'm, I would vote for rolling discretionary spending back, but believe it or not, it doesn't get you that far.
1: Yeah, no, right. It's uh, what, a third of the budget or something?
2: Oh, it's not even that. Not even that. Oh God! Um, uh, every dime a discretion. It's like all domestic when you remove defense. Yeah, is sixteen percent of yeah. spending. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I guess. And then defense, defense is thirteen yeah. percent of spending. Okay. Okay. Mandatory is seventy-one percent of spending, and that curve in the end of the decade goes up where mandatory is like seventy-seven percent of all spending.
1: Well, you know, it's what we spend on that. I love how you love to talk about it. I was listening to a broadcast, uh, a podcast, I'm sorry the other day, someone was talking about his numbers were that 90% of healthcare costs are after you get sick and it just seems to me that that is madness, that that is absolute well, madness.
2: Yeah, you got to be careful though um, like on occasion you'll get folks saying, well, most of the spending is in the last six weeks of your life. For you as an individual that may be true. But not for the total spend on health care as a nation. Right. 5% of our population who have multiple chronic conditions right. are over 50% of all the spending. Okay. So people play games on how they describe this. Now, the fact of the matter is we do a crappy job staying healthy, but we also do a pretty expensive job. We deliver great health care. It's just freakishly expensive. And we don't adopt the technologies and the methods and other things that could help disrupt that price. But, but it's more than just healthcare. care. There's many other things around us. That are just ridiculous.
1: Energy, energy would be a good example. I noticed that was another menu item I wanted to throw your way. You were putting up something earlier about. I don't think people realize how much of the strategic petroleum reserve we have drained under under oh, yeah. President Biden. Yeah. I think I think to the lowest level since Reagan was president or something. Uh, early eighties, yeah. yeah. And
2: and what's so wrong with the, what the Democrats did? And, and I'm enraged that the the left has been um, cheering this on because you know they're they're partisan hacks now. Um, you're using the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which is there for times of crisis, a mm-hmm. hurricane, mm-hmm. Um, a you know world embargo, these sorts of things, and it's been used for politics. It was used to artificially manipulate the price of oil. Well, Ahead we have of have an a election, real
1: refi- probably. Yeah.
2: yeah, we have a real refining problem, but you get not told the total story. Why did OPEC cut some of its production mm-hmm. a couple months ago or a few months ago? Yep. It was a it was a basically, forgive my language, I don't mean to offend everyone, but it was a screw you from yep. OPEC yep. to the United States saying, look, yep. if you're going to take your strategic preserve and pump it out in the market, right. we're just going to cut back on our side. We'll push up the world price. You get no benefit. That's right. And, and because there'd always been this sort of understanding – that reserve existed for times of crisis, not for times of political manipulation. Right.
1: right. Exactly. That's another problem. You and I were both, uh, I know because I follow you on Twitter, you and I were both taken by the story from an uh, old friend of mine, Jonathan Lines, who was making some news in Yuma on the immigration crisis that still hasn't gone away. Just because it's not in the news doesn't mean it hasn't gone away. Jonathan oh. Lines is saying that Yuma could collapse. The words he used were brink of collapse. Brink of collapse. Yeah, but and, and we just announced that we found 38 other uh, individuals crossing the border who were on the terrorist watch list.
2: Hey, and I need you to go go to your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You live in one of the nicest, one of the my favorite parts anywhere. Um, think about the number of homeless people you have living in the alleys in your area that weren't there two years ago.
1: Right, right.
2: Um, go talk to a city of Phoenix policeman yep. and just say, what are you finding with deaths from fentanyl? Yep. The fentanyl that's floating through your neighborhood that's killing your kids, that, that's taking homeless people like every other day or every day. These are all derivatives of having this border policy. And, you know, we can live in our nice little shells and pretend the chaos isn't happening, but it is. It's affecting your neighborhood. It's affecting your schools, it's affecting your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where's the mercy and compassion for people who are now addicted to synthetic opioids because it's so cheap
1: now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The a dollar Phoenix a pill. Is now the
2: national yep. distribution hub. Yep. yep. And 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 the the left often refuses to understand this is a derivative of their, of their choice mm-hmm. on the border.
1: Yep so you know you look at these things the strategic petroleum reserve the out of control and uh bankrupting spending you look at the immigration issue it's we're in some kind of weird weird shumpeter creative destruction thing minus the creative part i suppose
2: yeah there's not a lot of creativity yeah um my toughest battle and we can do this after break is how do i get people on our side to understand the scale of the yeah market.
1: i've been dealing with that too yeah i'm glad you rates that let's i get those calls all the time let's pick up on that if you have time uh, that's great david i'd love to take you another segment to talk about that great thanks i'll be right with you folks david Schweikert and i'll be right back Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Delighted to have, privileged and honored to have uh, David Schweikert with us, representing uh, our district, District uh, Congressional District 1 here. David, I in in if we can, in the next few minutes, a couple things. One, how do we get this understanding of math over to people that don't? And two, maybe part of it, maybe it's related, maybe the answer to the first is is involved in the answer to the second, kind of dispelling certain myths that go around about you know where the savings can come from and what, what constitutes our budget bloat.
2: Okay, uh, first, a, a, a weird aside. I I actually think a lot of the, the types of people who listen to your show, they're going to be freaky smart. They get it, but they also have to understand there's a whole bunch of, of I'll call them trolls. Mm-hmm. People who just make stuff up. Yeah, of course. And I, yeah. Some <laughs> of them are bots. <laughs> yeah. I think some of them are there just to mess with conservatives. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like in our Phoenix area, Every time I do a speech or this and that, there'll be these comments, oh, you know, if you just didn't pay members of Congress and uh, senators, you could balance the budget. And I've had smart activists who see this. I see this comment all the time. You guys could do this. So I'm (laughs) going to do a floor presentation on all this fake stuff out there. Okay. And, you know, uh, so if I came to Seth and said, Seth, let's not pay any member of Congress, um... We're probably all overpaid already. And any U.S. Senator, um, for the entire year's borrowing, if it was a clock, an entire year, how many minutes of borrowing would that cover?
1: <laughs> remember when Chevy Chase was playing Gerald Ford? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was my understanding that there would be no math on this interview, on this debate. I couldn't tell you, David. What, what it's,
2: it's about 28 minutes. Okay. For an entire year.
1: Okay. That's so
2: everyone's for an entire salary. year. Okay. You okay. just covered about twenty-eight minutes, and, and then you go on to you know some of the favorites. Like, okay, let's get rid of foreign aid. Yeah, foreign aid is like two weeks. Okay, yeah. it's actually a little less than two weeks, but yeah. the, let's call it two two weeks of borrowing. Okay, not not spending, borrowing, and you start to walk through these are a bunch of the Democrat suggestions of let's go to a fifty percent marginal tax rate. Um, that covers like a month. Okay. Of borrowing, but it also probably really slows down the economy yeah. because there's this history of high marginal tax rates low marginal tax rates we always get about eighteen nineteen percent of the size of the economy in taxes so you want a bigger economy mm-hmm. and and there's the problem is the scale is so giant, just huge it's almost painful to think about and we gravitate towards um, being angry, we gravitate towards little things like, "Well, if we just didn't pay members of Congress, or we didn't pay foreign aid, or if we gave didn't give any money to Ukraine, maybe we shouldn't do any of those things."
1: All right, and and but you've, co- and you've soli- covered four weeks, three yeah, weeks. Yeah, don't you
2: know? yeah, don't pretend it's a solution. Yeah. Um, the hard, hard, hard discussion is we can if we could ferret out every dollar of waste and fraud. Would we'll probably get a month of the borrowing. Okay. I mean, the size of the waste and fraud is 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 was enormous during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but that enhanced unemployment is gone. A lot of the stealing of some of the other COVID money is probably gone. Um, and we're just and with the Republican majority, we're not doing that craziness anymore. Mm-hmm. So how do you have the honest conversation saying we got old? Mm-hmm. The majority of our borrowing from today through the next 30 years, every dime of it, is Medicare. Mm -hmm. And if we don't fix Social Security, Mm -hmm. in 10 years it's about a 24 percent cut.
1: Are we able to have a debate again or initiate a debate again on Social Security reform?
2: Um, If you would ask me A week ago, I thought we were getting close to being able to have a bipartisan stand up and do something incredibly complicated and hard, because the the basic understanding is easy. The the levers turn out to be complicated, and then the Democrat trolls went crazy the last couple days, started their lying campaign, and I'm sorry, it's lying. Mm -hmm. They want to cut Social Security and Medicare, and they've already poisoned the well now. Okay. So now to have an honest conversation of ways to save Social Security. Because remember, in 10 years, when the trust fund's gone, and the average American gets back every dime they put into Social Security, yep. it's not, you know, uh, the, the lockbox. Okay, there's not a lockbox. It's Treasury bills. Mm-hmm. Social Security owns Treasury bills. They actually get paid interest mm-hmm. from the Treasury. Mm-hmm. Now, the fact Treasury goes out to borrow the money to pay it back is – so there's all this – they stole the money. They didn't steal the money. Just like you, when you had excess cash, you might buy a Treasury bill so you know it's safe and you get some interest for it. That's what Social Security has done all these years. The problem is our number of workers to our number of retirees. Every month, we get the tax revenue in, and it's not enough to cover all the checks going out, so they have to sell some of the Treasury bills. And what the Democrats did in the discussion of debt ceiling, oh, the de- Republicans are going to demand cutting these things. That's not true. I think they may have just poisoned the well that now some of the people I've been working with say, we can't talk about this now. Um, Democrats made it clear they're willing to lie about us.
1: Am I still too romantic to think that through good public policy, we can start saving some money? I mean, when you think about the things that cost us money, uh, you and I have talked a lot about the health care costs and obesity and that kind of stuff we could talk about the costs of illegal immigration we could talk about oh, yeah. the law lo- the costs of uh, well I mean that actually covers a lot of things that it, goes to it, education it, it goes enough, to health yeah go ahead
2: there, there, there's things uh, family formation
1: yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. 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 that, that poverty, crime you name it yeah. yeah all that stuff things. yeah yeah
2: and they make a difference
1: okay so you're saying I'm not too romantic to still push those no
2: okay no. and I beg of folks who, who listen to me, you know, I, I love these radio interviews, but it's, it's, sometimes you may have to watch a number of my hour, half hour floor speeches just to get sort of the rhythm because it's, it's complicated. Mm-hmm. You've got to do functionally everything. You've got to do policies that grow the economy. And you got to talk about things that are uncomfortable. You're going to have to fix the immigration system. You can't import poverty. If you're going to have an immigration system, yeah. right. you've got to embrace really right. smart people right. that help you grow the economy. Right. right. And, and, and so, just look, every poverty advocate just got mad at me, but it's, it's, it's the math. Um, yeah, I want then some, you,
1: I'd like some wealth advocates,
2: by the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, there's a number of these things. So, I need you to think of a unified theory. You need to do adoption of technology. You need to fix the immigration system. You need a tax system as a pro growth. You need a trade system. That doesn't put United States at a comparative right. disadvantage right. from other countries. Right. You need energy policy that maximizes the use of U.S. energy. And you've got to do them all at the same time. And incentivize
1: time. better family, for more and, more and better and stronger yeah, family. you've got for, to do yeah. it all. Yeah. All right, brother. Uh, you gave us a lot of homework for the rest of the year. <laughs> but uh, you didn't go there to do small things. David Schweikert, thank you, sir. We will talk to you soon.
2: I wish you a good thing.
1: You too. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-5080-960. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. You know what the definition of a recession is? It's falling stock markets. It's a drop in income and consumer spending. It's a rise in unemployment and increased business failures. Well, Joe Biden won't admit it. He'll just redefine it. But the stock market has been... Turbulent with economists predicting even bigger falls and declines. Income declined last year because of inflation. Real estate values are dropping. Retailers are declaring bankruptcy and major companies are laying off thousands. Regardless of what Biden says, it looks like a recession and it's likely going to get worse, which is why I recommend calling veteran owned Midas Gold Group the veteran owned Midas Gold Group to safeguard your wealth. With the stability of gold. Gold holds its value when economies fail, guarding against the ravages of inflation and the ruins of a recession. Get your hedge against all of this with the good folks at Midas Gold Group. The veteran known Midas Gold Group. Check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Or call them at 480-360-3000. 480-360-3000. All right, David. Uh you uh, you always bring in a uh, a passel of political interest and trivia when you when you sit in with us, um, my associate producer. What do you got for me today? You said you had some trivia you wanted to run by, and I said SIFR, save it for radio. Don't, save it don't, for radio. Don't give me That's any heads favorite up. Favorite slogan. Yeah, yes. well, eh, it's, this a, one, it's one of them. Okay. This one I heard last night. All right.
3: And you'll have to tell me if you know this one. All this is, right, I may not. This I'm ta- Hands are of, off the keyboard. This is our Stump of Seth All segment. All right, hands off uh, the keyboard. In 1865, when President Lincoln was assassinated by John Wilkes Booth, the country went into a period of national mourning. And I guess this is more appropriate for the uh, What I Learned This Week segment mm-hmm. that okay. we're doing. All right. But uh, what, I, what I found out was uh, when the country went into a period of mourning, people put black uh, cloths all over their windows. Uh, it was their symbolic representation of, you know, back, well, at least back in the 1800s, people wore black for that traditional Morning. period. Yeah, yes. sure. And uh, in Buffalo, New York, former President Millard Fillmore did not have black on his house. Uh And the people of Buffalo, New York, were so outraged that former President Fillmore did not have black on that they had a sort of riot. No kidding. Yeah, really. No, I don't know this. They threw black paint and black tar on his house. I did not know this. They may have even broken a window. No. And it was all for naught. It was a complete accident. Millard Fillmore was on a several week long vacation at the time. Believe it or not, and comes home and finds that his house was uh, covered in tar. He had not heard had that him. Abraham
1: Lincoln had been
3: Oh, I'm sure he had, but he was not in his home in Buffalo. Oh, I see. Yes.
1: I see. So someone who looked like Millard Fillmore.
3: Perhaps, but uh, the the, car- the, All the for housekeepers. Not. Interesting. Yes, Interesting. So upset. So that the rioters his house got it wrong once again.
1: The rioters yes. got it wrong once again. There's a long tradition of rioters getting it wrong, huh? Okay. No, I didn't. I'm glad you taught me that. Thank you.
3: There you go. (laughs) Okay.
1: Is that that the heft of what you brought today? That's the heft of what we brought today. All right. What's your political pin? What's your lapel pin? Today
3: we have one from my boyhood home of Ohio, Bob Taft for Senate.
1: Bob? Does it say Bob? Yes. Bob Taft for Senate, Ohio. Right. So this was the guy who was known as Mr. Republican
3: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: in his tenure in the Senate, often wanted to run for president, never got the nomination, we talked about Wendell Wilkie last time. He he wanted the nomination against Wendell Wilkie in 1940, but he was too closely uh, seen as an or too too, too see, seen too much as an isolationist. Right, right the period where we right. needed to ramp up military. Position. And that happened again in the 50s with Eisenhower. Later. Right, he wanted to be the nominee, but they gave it to Eisenhower again because of the isolationism when the threat wasn't in those days fascism, but then communism. Right, exactly. Pretty close. That was Robert Taft. He was known as Mr. Republican. I thought Barry Goldwater was Mr. Republican. You know, I this believe is wh- they both were. Well, yeah, sometimes he was known as Mr. Conservative as a distinction. But I don't know, as Bill and I sometimes like to joke from an old Seinfeld line, I don't know how official these titles really are. <laughs> um, but yeah, first it was Bob Robert Taft, and then it was Barry Goldwater. And usually Mr. Rep- the f- former was Mr. Republican, the latter was Mr. Conservative, but they get interchanged all the time uh probably uh was was he the son or grandson of William Howard Taft
3: I believe he was the direct son
1: direct <laughs> son, and yeah, there you go, direct son of William Howard Taft, the only president to what
3: oh now you've got me <laughs>
1: become a Supreme Court justice and a chief justice yes is that? that is correct all right <laughs> I am Seth Leson six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero we'll be right back.
0: I see. uh, Just saw a spread of uh, on the over the
1: television screen. Schiff and Swalwell and Omar bleeding about being kicked off committees in the Republican Party. It's a restoration of normality, is what this is. Good riddance to them all. Good riddance to them all. One colluding with a Chinese spy. One using the credibility of his chairmanship on the Intel committee to spread lies and politicize his chairmanship of that committee and the other to foment bigotry and idiocy as she's endorsed by the Socialist Party of America. Good riddance to them all. We're the abnormal ones. We break the norms. These people don't even belong in Congress, much less on a congressional committee. Our friends at Issues and Insights write in a data dump Friday. The Biden administration announced that more than a quarter million people crossed the border illegally in December, the highest ever recorded. The timing of this release was designed to bury the news. Not that it mattered since the mainstream media have ignored the growing border crisis with fierce determination regardless. But that's not the worst of it. Border deaths also reached all time highs. You heard Schweikert a few minutes ago, a few segments ago, talking about where where is the compassion for the human just human beings at this level. Border deaths reached all-time highs. That news is so bad, the most transparent administration in history tried to keep it hidden altogether, coughing it up only in response to a FOIA, a Freedom of Information Act request. When the data did come out, crickets. Silence is particularly galling, given that Democrats were screaming bloody murder about border deaths during the Trump administration. The publicly released news shows that Border Patrol agents stopped 251,487 illegal crossers in December, which is a 7% increase from November, which was a 40% increase from the year before, which was a 240% increase from December 2020. Keep in mind that it's not like Border Patrol... Agents caught a quarter million trying to sneak into the U.S. In Biden's open border world, illegal immigrants cross the border and then wait patiently for border agents to pick them up, process them in border facilities and release them into the country, often with the help of NGOs, non-governmental organizations, also known as nonprofits. The Biden administration has turned illegal immigration into a well-oiled machine. In addition to the 251,487, are what the government politely terms getaways or gotaways. These are the illegals who do not, uh, excuse me, these are the illegals who do streak. uh, These are the illegals who do sneak across the border and avoid Border Patrol agents because they have a good reason to expect that they would be immediately expelled. The number of gotaways over just the past two years is a million which would make them the 10th largest city in the country. How many of them are gang members? How many of them are terrorists? How many of them are violent criminals? How would we ever know? Incredibly, Acting Customs and Border Border Protection Commissioner Troy Miller said that, quote, the December update shows our new border enhancement measures are working, close quote. A better description might be an invasion, one aided and abetted by the Biden administration, the Democratic Party, and the legacy media that refuses to cover it, that has covered it up, actively covers it up. But it is deadly, and it's deadly for the migrants themselves. Over the last, last fiscal year, 880 immigrants died trying to get into the U.S. That's the highest number of deaths since data became available. The second largest number of migrant deaths occurred the year before when 566 died. To be clear, Democrats have not, nor has Biden said that Biden has blood on his hands for the deaths caused by his open border disgrace. They haven't said anything, but they should be shouting their outrage from the rooftops. How easy it was to take pictures on bended knee with crocodile tears covering up an empty parking lot. These are real lives, real numbers, and real deaths. In July 2019, a photo of the bodies of Oscar Alberto Martinez and his infant daughter Angie Valeria, who had drowned attempting to cross the Rio Grande River from Mexico into Texas, came to light. Here's a sampling. That's 2019. You know who was president then. Here's a sampling. Of how Democrats and their media protectors responded, Kamala Harris, then a senator, said, quote, Trump says go back to where you came from. That's inhumane. Children are dying. This is a stain on our moral conscience. Another congressman you might have heard of named Beto O'Rourke said at the time, quote, Trump is responsible for these deaths, close quote. You ever heard of Senator Cory Booker, quote, these are the consequences of Donald Trump's inhumane and immoral immigration policy. Former vice president at the time named Joe Biden said, quote, this image is gut wrenching. The cruelty we're seeing at our border is unconscionable. Chuck Schumer said, quote, Trump is the head of the executive branch. He controls what's happening at the border. The L.A. Times editorialized, quote, if we as a nation do not raise our voices in collective outrage, we are complicit. Vox.com editorialized, quote, the photo shows the true nature of Trump's immigration cruelty, close quote. That was 2019, one of the fewest numbers of deaths at the border on record that year. Here's an idea. Demand that these people explain why immigration deaths under Trump were a tragedy, but the far greater number of deaths under Biden are perfectly acceptable. Demand that. It wouldn't be a hard question to ask Kamala Harris. I mean, supposedly the border is under her domain at this point. She was tasked with it. Let me help. Mrs. Vice President, in 2019, you were quoted as saying, Donald Trump tells immigrants to go back where they came from, and that's inhumane. Children are dying, and it's a stain on our moral conscience. Under your administration, far more people, far greater numbers of border crosses have died. What do you have to say about our moral conscience today? How hard of a question would that be? I don't know what kind of answer or word salad you'd get. I don't know if it might even start with a cackle. The thing about the border is that we all have to protect the border, which means protecting our country and the people that come here as much as it means protecting and all doing our part so that we can have a border and have a sane and safe policy that is something that we all in america can be proud of and to be proud of we all have to have pride in what we do ourselves which comes from our inner voices and your truth i don't know that's probably the answer you'd get these are the people that you voted for these are the people that are our president and vice president these are the people that are destroying not only moral conscience, but lives, by the tens of thousands. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. You're playing Paul Anka, huh? You gonna go see the see see the uh, see the old crooner tonight? Paul Hank is in town tonight. Nice, nice, nice. Did he actually write My Way? I think he might have. Did he actually write it, the song that Sinatra made so popular?
3: Ooh, you've stumped me. Maybe. D- let us recorded. know before
1: we go away. Let us know before we go away. Uh, let me put in a word for our friends at Y-Refi. You've probably heard me talk a lot about them. If you still have some questions about what they do, feel free to contact them at 888-Y-Refi-34. That's 888-Y-Refi-34, and they can put you in touch with A lot of satisfied customers who are happily investing with them. Ask yourself, how's your IRA doing? Would you like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market or Joe Biden's economy? Check out Y-Refi. Did you know you can invest with Y-Refi through an IRA or other qualified funds and you keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn, tax deferred? That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. Check them out. At 888-YREFI-34 or online at com, The word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y, dot com. This woke, uh, you got an answer for me?
3: I do. It was a French song, but yeah. Paul Anka wrote English lyrics. Oh, really? To cover over the French lyrics. Oh, really? Totally unrelated to the original French.
1: Next time you're here, let's get the French version.
3: Oh, we'll find it, yes. Yeah,
1: and see if we have someone famous in America singing it. Okay. Just to neutralize the too much French thing.
3: We'll we'll do a freedom Friday. Like
1: I'll yeah think. yeah, I mean I could see maybe like uh, I don't know if Sinatra someone 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 sang it in French here. We'll find it. Yeah, we'll find it. I bet it exists. This woke storm, this woke tidal wave. There's nothing it doesn't touch. We talked with Paul Fitzpatrick about corporations and you know the litany of other places: ed, education, ed schools, all of education, news, almost all of it. Uh, I was. Um, Uh, I was just stuck by something Steve Hayward flagged. We've been talking about it with uh, Zudi Jasser and a few others about how it's hitting the medical society. Dr. John Calhoun, uh, the outgoing president of the Society of Thoracic Surgeons, uh, posted a slide as part of his farewell remarks to the uh, society. Uh, And it's a slide titled Virtuous Ideals. The first bullet point, affirmative action is not equal opportunity. The second bullet point, inclusion is not the same as diversity. The third bullet point, search for the best candidate. Use all hurdles and challenges overcome. Fourth bullet point, define people. defining people by color, gender, and religion only tends to ingrain bias and discrimination. Fifth bullet point, diversity is occurring rapidly. Sixth bullet point, best metric is simply whether someone does good. That would have been the ethics of civil rights we all grew up with. But guess what? The incoming president had to call him out for his hurtful remarks and that they have no place in the Society of Thoracic Surgeons. Anti-racism is the new racism, folks. Orwell would be striding our community so proud of the handbook he wrote for the left. All right, don't go away. We'll be right back. John Shattuck coming in the house.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.